everybody and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. My name is John Maloney and as always I'm joined by my number one pod brother Alexander Holland. Thanks Al. I want to start by giving a shout out to super centenarian Maria Brunyas Marrera. Uh, okay. Maria's still with us. She was born in March 1907 and she's still alive making her the oldest verified person alive. Now wow. why... Why is that significant? Because uh, if in an alternate universe, Maria, which I like to imagine, Maria was given each year on her birthday a single prized episode of Don't Praise the Machine, well, then on this year, her 116th birthday, she would be given today's episode, episode number 116. So there you go. We better make it a good one. We better make it a good one because it could be Maria's last in the alternate universe that I've imagined. 116. Yeah. So our the number of episodes has come to represent what is probably pretty close <laughs> to the maximum human lifespan. And I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the maximum human lifespan currently we can expect friend of the show, Brian Blueprint Johnson, to yeah. outlive that by, I would say, triple. Yeah, say for sure. You can expect probably like a... 350-year-old Brian, Brian, Brian Blueprint Johnson. At least. I think he might, I think he might get into four-ditch. Uh, <laughs> he might be a thousand years old. <laughs> he might be a millennial man, just a kind of flaccid sack of flesh with the, with the rectum and penis of an 18-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> now, John, you saw, when I came on, you saw... What did you? What am I holding up in my hand for all those? You had a, a glass, see, which is everybody because we don't do video. <laughs> it's a glass of semi-translucent red liquid, which I originally thought might have been a cup of. Uh, the, you just let a cup of your famous uh, dying grandma's red berry tea, or whatever it is, <laughs> yes. terminally ill grandma's red berry tea. You might have <laughs> let that go cold, but it's something else. Yeah. Well, I think you are you you know you're spot on, but look oh. at this. Look what it's come. Look what look what it's come from. Hmm. What's this? Describe t- this for everybody that's out there. That's a glass teapot. It looks like a yeah. So this is my latest. This is my latest item that's brought my life joy. It's hmm. my latest low cost item that's brought an amount of joy that far outweighs the cost mm. of the item. Okay. Much like my. Much like things like my leather passport holder, like my uh, hair trimmer, mm-hmm. which from American hair trimmer brand Wall that I absolutely mm, love. So yeah. this thing here, I did a, I did a bit of research so that I got the right pot for me, and yeah. I think it would be the right pot for you. <laughs> and you want to get a glass? The internet said you want to get a. I went on T YouTube. Yep. I put into YouTube because what I, what was happening was I'm trying to drink less coffee, uh, and so I I've been making a lot of tea. But the problem with tea is it takes quite a while to make a single cup. Yeah, with all the leaves and the steeping. Yeah, and then you drink it right down in three seconds. Especially mm. for me, I don't even mind 
scalding my throat. <laughs> I will put the boiling water in. I'll let the tea steep for five seconds, and then I'll just scull the tea. <laughs> just and then I'll basically cook, basically cook my throat. Yeah, sure. Uh, and that's <laughs> and that's fine. Your morning ritual is just. Just a freezing cold shower and then hot tea down your insides. <laughs> <laughs> but you end up drinking it so quick and then I go, oh God, I can't be asked doing another bloody fucking single cup of tea. Yeah. So I thought I'll get a bigger vessel and I went on YouTube and YouTube, all the tea experts said, you need glass teapot. Mm. You need it to have... Uh, about one one to one point five liter capacity, and you want it to have a stainless steel infuser or steeping okay basket. Yep. And I got and I gotta tell you, this thing has changed my whole life. I make it every single morning, and so hmm. I want to say to anybody out there, shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll give you the affiliate code, it's, and you can get the thing. same Amazon. Rich Redberry tea teapot. It's gonna it's gonna help you become a glowing ball of enlightened healing light. Like I'm gonna become eventually. <laughs> One day John's gonna switch on the camera for an episode of Don't Praise the Machine. Yeah. And it will just be a glowing ball of enlightened <laughs> consciousness sitting in front of him, ready to deliver a funny podcast. <laughs> I don't have I don't use teapots. I think it's time for me to make that step. Neither did I, and that's this. That's why I've got it. Because I mean, I'm just saying to everybody out there: if you don't, if you don't got a teapot in your life, yeah, get one in. It's because this gives me three cups, right? And I just sit it. I just sit it by the side of me here. You can make a new friend. I could walk down to the street. If I didn't have this teapot, then I can. I can't offer anybody on the street a cup of tea because I've <laughs> yeah, already sure. drank mine. Yeah. So now I'm able to go downstairs. You used and to just stop offer people, people sips. Well, I'd go downstairs and I'd say, I'll come up for a cup of tea and the piece of, people would get up here and I'd forget that I'd drank it all and there'd be an empty <laughs> glass. I was, oh, sorry, I keep sorry doing this. Shit. It's five flights. <laughs> it's five flights. That's true. You knew that. Somebody asked me, somebody asked me recently how you actually, maybe you can tell, how did you manage the, somebody asked me, John, when you stayed with me, how you managed oh, yeah. the five flights of stairs. There was somebody who said, how how did John go on his crutches oh. with the old with the old five story walk up in Berlin? Yeah, it was good. I reckon, I reckon there was an appreciable gain in my cardio fitness between the beginning <laughs> and end of the week. Um, because I've got even friends of mine with full use of their legs get yeah. up here and they uh, complain. I had somebody fix my. I had a, a plumber come and fix my sink a couple of weeks ago, and he got to the top of the stairs and he said to me in German, "This is like climbing the." bloody TV tower, which is like the <laughs> famous Berlin monument, the Fernsehturm. <laughs> such a He's Berlin like, you complaint. Live. It was, it was such, it was such a Berlin reference. Mm. He's like, this is great. You live at the fucking top of the TV tower. He was just like sweating <laughs> his balls off. And, <laughs> and you loved it up here. You loved being on my green couch. Man, I love that, that old timey staircase with the big old doors and the letterboxes. <laughs> yeah. My house is from 1916, everybody, mm. if you want to pop, if you want to pop over and visit. Uh. So, John, last week I had a lot of people writing in saying, thank you so much for doing an episode on the top 10 YouTube yeah. channels currently of 2023. A lot of people 
had no idea about. I mean, I knew three of them. Yeah. You knew none. And most people you that know. I spoke to also knew none. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people wrote in and said that was quite fascinating to learn about the weird and wild world of highly subscribed yeah, it was YouTube fun for me. channels. I feel like a, a cultural blind spot in my uh, awareness has been corrected, which is good. I mean, it's the, it's the hilarious thing about YouTube is that it's so massive mm. that you can have... You can have these channels that are just literally the biggest channels on the platform and yeah. you've just never heard of them. And not only the biggest channels on the platform, but hilariously with those Russian-Ukrainian children's channels, an entire genre, yeah, uh, a very specific genre of YouTube channel, which is, of course, the Eastern European child junk food oversaturated exactly. channel run by parents who leave Ukraine or St. Petersburg uh, and relocate to Miami, Florida to continue their YouTube dominance. Yeah, that's right. I think um, after the last week, I don't know, I'm starting to draw connections. Maybe there's some <laughs> some uh, paramilitary psyops going on via kids' YouTube <laughs> channels. I'm not sure. <laughs> Vlad, Vlad and Nikki channel funded by the Wagner Group. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The kids' <laughs> Wagner show. <laughs> With Uncle Pedagogian. <laughs> he seems like he seems like a very warm hearted and kind man. Yeah. He's digging <laughs> he's he's kind of channeling his former life as a hot dog salesman. Uh just just a kind of cheery cheery hot dogsman. Vlad Vlad and Nikki just walk over and there's just a, 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 a kindly man selling hot dogs with a Russian accent. Yeah. Just selling Wagner Group hot dogs. Just stands up out of a tank and gives them each a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> and John, staying with popular culture, yeah. you were telling me that you've got colour people that you really have come to know and love so much that you wanted the audience to... <laughs> know that you know yeah. and love as well. I think the audience is going to be aware of them as well because they I have think so. a little bit of a public profile. Yeah, look, I'm not, it's not for me to say what's a, what's a Schlagberger with a lot and what's not, but I think <laughs> um, for those who don't know, many of our loyal listeners will know that phrase is often wheeled out to describe a story which has key elements which are essential or characteristic to the Don't Praise the Machine law or culture. And I think this captures some of that. Um, and it is because it is a story partly about tech and the tech world, but partly also about the trials and tribulations of those in positions of privilege and celebrity. And I'm talking, of course, mm. about the recent uh, headwinds faced by Harry and Megan in their deal with Spotify to produce a podcast. Mm. Harry of British royal family fame and Megan of yes. Suits fame, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and so they Harry and Megan, you know, they had this they had this falling out famously with the royal family, and they thought, and you know, were very public about saying, look, we're not going to just kind of um, just kind of be in the fold and do what we're told and have a life that is entirely determined by the conventions of the royal family. We're going to strike out on our own. We're going to do our own thing. Mm. We're going to make our own money. And one of the ways they 
they sought to do that was by signing this deal with Spotify. So in December 2020, they signed what was contemplated to be a multi-year business deal with Spotify uh, <clears throat> for a series of programs potentially produced by Archwell Audio. And the deal was worth about $20 million. And it was, I think, US dollars. And it was envisaged that several, you know, several um, different pieces of intellectual property, maybe a couple of different podcasts or specials or bits and pieces would be produced under the auspices of that deal, kind of in the same way that Spotify has made agreements with people like Barack and Michelle Obama, etc. And for whatever reason, it was another two and a half years before we saw any uh, produce from that. But in August 2022, um, Archetypes was released, the first episode of Archetypes, which was a podcast predominantly uh, hosted by Megan, although it featured a few cameos, as I understand it, from Hazza. And it it followed ah. from the first episode. There was another 11 episodes after that. And I think a one-off special as well. And it was billed itself as a kind of women's empowerment podcast where Megan was interviewing different successful women um, and some men, but predominantly women. Um, it kicked off, I think, with Serena Williams and uh, and... That was the idea. And, you know, trying to kind of look at different concepts, which she, or labels, which she was suggesting were holding women back. And it must be said that the reviews for the podcast were, to put it generously, were mixed. And um, I'll give you a few examples of what I'm talking about. So um, there was an article from Sasonke Masimang of The Guardian who said that Megan came across in the debut episode as a rich, out-of-touch woman. Uh, someone else, Olivia <laughs> Petter from The Independent, said that the debut was the most self-congratulatory 57 minutes of audio you'll hear this year. Um, the Daily Telegraph said, every woman has had a girlfriend like Megan, the one who turns every confidence back to them and hijacks every distressing <laughs> anecdote with one of her own, only hers is longer drawn out, more distressing. And a review in The Spectator said it's hard to believe that it took 28 people, including eight executive producers, to make this episode, <laughs> plus Megan herself. <laughs> and then Hilary Rose in The Times said, more pointedly again, I should have beaten myself unconscious an hour ago. Uh, she said, <laughs> her podcast is pure narcissistic gibberish. Uh, Belle Mooney, Mooney in The Daily Mail said it was a bizarre saccharine and faintly queasy schmooze fest so not everyone loved it uh and <laughs> so maybe it's unsurprising that spotify recently announced in the last couple of weeks that it's parting ways with megan and harry and that they had not met the productivity benchmark to receive the full 20 yeah. million dollar payment from the deal and they released this kind of typically you know pr spinny opaque statement about you know they they're proud of the work they'd done and they were mutually agreeing to part ways. So that was that. And then along came uh, Bill Simmons. Now, <laughs> Simmons was, I was already following this story because I enjoy, I guess I enjoy the kind of um, inversion of privilege into victimhood. Uh, and I think Harry and Megan have done quite a good job of that. And uh, 
<laughs> and they sort of they've attracted quite polarizing responses from people, and it's quite entertaining. Um, but um, I was already following it, you know, when they had this uh, ostensibly amicable enough parting of ways with Spotify. But then Bill Simmons weighed in. Now, Simmons is the creator of a sports and pop culture website and podcast network called The Ringer, which you may have heard of. And he mm-hmm. sold The Ringer to Spotify in 2020 for uh, about $200 million plus about $50 million bucks in uh, extra incentives. And as part of that deal, he gained a leadership role at Spotify as the head of innovation and monetization. Now, perhaps because he came into Spotify relatively late in the day as this kind of value-adding free agent, maybe that's why, I don't know. But he seems to, for whatever reason, feel free to speak in a way that is not uh, constrained by the sort of normal rules of etiquette that you might expect from a large corporation dealing with celebrities. And just before he sold the ring, the ring to Spotify in 2020, he said this about his podcast, about Prince Harry on his own podcast. This is Bill Simmons. He said, shoot the guy to the sun. I'm so tired of this guy. What does he bring to the table? He just whines about shit and keeps giving interviews. Who gives a shit? Who cares about your life? You weren't even the favorite son. You live in fucking Montecito and you just sell documentaries and podcasts and nobody cares what you have to say about anything unless you talk about the royal family and you just yeah. complain about them. And more recently though, I mean, so that's before he was kind of involved in Spotify to be fair, but now he seems to be no less blunt. He said on his podcast just last week uh, that if he'd been involved in the Megan and Harry leaving Spotify negotiations um, he said, the fucking grifters, that's the podcast we should have la- launched with them. <laughs> I got to get drunk one night and tell you the story of the Zoom I had with Harry to try and give him podcast ideas. It's one of the best stories. Fuck them, the grifters, he said. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, so I don't know. I just, I found it, I found all of this quite, quite a satisfying and amusing uh I mean, I should say for even-handedness that um, Megan's talent agency released a statement after this furor with Bill Simmons, and they said, look, the team behind Archetypes remain proud of the podcast that they created with Spotify, <laughs> and they said there's going to be more from her soon. Some people have said that she is contemplating um, something in the nature of a kind of Gwyneth Paltrow-esque goop uh, undertaking, yeah. which I'd love and which I think- Royal goop is entirely um, in keeping with my perception of her identity. Um, Goop, of course, DPTM shows sponsors, so I haven't got a bad word to say about them. But, um, yeah, what do you think about all of this, Al? What do you think about Harry and Meigs? I'm surprised at their steep fall from grace because I remember when they they left the royal family, left, I'm putting that in, in uh, air quotes, because I think uh, they didn't properly leave, or certainly Harry did it, and I think that's kind of one of the problems is that they should have either they should have either branded themselves as anti-royalist and left and said this whole institution is outdated mm. and reductive, and we need to get rid of it. It's it's uh, particularly in in this in this era where there's a cost of living crisis. We just yeah. and also you know in in light of the scandals um, yeah. 
with Andrew, this is just all nonsense it's and rotten. taxpayers shouldn't have to pay for this and they should have said, let's have a Russia uh, mm. 1917. <laughs> yeah. We volunteer to be first on the guillotine. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but it's, or they should have stayed in the royal family mm. and continued the whole charade. But instead, mm. they've done this kind of half assed thing where they've tried to have their cake and eat it too, where yeah. they've left and they, well, they claim to have, well, they've left Buckingham Palace and mm. they've said, um, we have a few issues with the royals and we're going to, with the royal family, and we're mm. just going to use that to sell books and interviews with Oprah. But yeah. then any time that there's anything royal, like the Queen's death mm. or the coronation of my father, I'll be there in a second yeah. because I love them all so much still and blah, blah, blah. And it, and And then the fact that, <clears throat> yeah, Megan is quite unlikable apparently to the general public and uh, she's kind of seen as the Yoko Ono of the of the <laughs> yeah, British royal family. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They do seem to be. I mean, it's hard to believe that they're not drawing a degree of support and uh, financial and other support from Harry's royal roots. I mean, I can only assume that's what's happened because it's not like he renounced all his all of his wealth and said, "Okay, I'm going to go on the dole until I strike up a podcast deal with with Spotify." And uh, he seems to have this kind of nebulous, immense wealth that he hasn't seen fit to forsake, even though he apparently detests the royal family. Yeah, and one would assume that a way that the royal family can control some of what he says would mm. be by would be, be by having him connected to their purse strings to some mm. extent. You know, there maybe some backdoor agreement where they say, "Yeah, we don't mind if you say a few little things just to sell a few books and yeah. podcasts, but don't really say what's going on behind here, or we'll a cut you off from." any type of funding and B, make sure that you die in a French tunnel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they've done this thing which Spotify, which South Park famously lampooned where on the one hand they are saying the media is fucked and everyone just needs to leave us alone. And on the other, they seem to be kind of fame obsessed and um, <laughs> kind of picking fights in a way that seems to be deliberately calculated to protract their time in the spotlight and um yeah and there's that's a funny thing and i mean meanwhile prince william who stayed in the royal mm. family has recently come out and said look um i'm gonna i'm really concerned about homelessness and i'm gonna give um a certain amount of my property to public housing or something like that so in spite of being a kind of, uh, you know, making no apologies for just being a bootlicker. He's sort of at the moment looks like the slightly more constructive one and Harry's just off throwing stones from his kind of <laughs> California mansion with his $2 million a year security detail. They're, they're, in an, they're in an interestingly, I mean, I wouldn't say precarious position, the, the British royal family, but I would say for the first time in... My memory, mm. I think the I think public opinion towards these kinds of institutions uh, is shifting, and mm. so they need to, as best they can, try and throw a few crumbs to yeah, yeah, the sure. public to say, "Hey, hey, hey, hey!" Actually, it's not just all about us living in 
extreme luxury and privilege uh also we're actually we're helping you guys out can't you Mm. see what can't you see what you're getting for your money yeah exactly can't you see how we put we put a not fancy little coronation on that you all enjoyed didn't you yeah you loved you guys love that we're the heart and soul of the nation and (laughs) um please stop talking about guillotining us and turning us all into blood and fertilizer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please, <laughs> please don't pull us out. Please don't pull us out of the castle and put our heads on pikes, please. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I remember. I went. It's funny, actually. I remember going to. I had just landed in London in 2011, mm. and I went to the to celebrate the wedding of William and Kate with DPTM friend of the show Harley Schumann. Oh. So me and Harley. Went down to the Mall around there and around wow. around the the green areas surrounding the Mall, uh, and we just got on the cans and yeah. had a few Union Jacks. And for somebody who, for me, who had just landed in the UK, it was yeah. great because I was yeah. like, you know, this is I'm having such, yeah, a, British such a British experience right now that I can't believe it. There's there's Union Jacks everywhere, mm. but I mean, I just can't imagine and also i remember that there was a certain level of excitement and around that event and you know i I didn't really sense a tremendous amount of critique whereas whereas Mm, i think it's very it's very different now when you think about the current like the queen's died and now there's been the coronation of charles and there's been the andrew scandal with epstein and gislaine yeah and i think and there's just younger people coming through as well that i just i mean i've you know if it's not already obvious to the audience i'm not a massive fan of the royal family (laughs) and uh and I think that a lot of young people coming through now as well, that that kind of, that kind of thing of like, let's all get behind a, a funny old institution and yeah. this is what, it's, it's, it's fun and we get to indulge in this kind of Dungeons and Dragons throwback <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bit of fucking thing. medieval cosplay. Yeah. yeah. I think things are just like, you know, I just think people's lives are, 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 are tough yeah. and they're looking at this going, what the fuck? I mean, I just think it's. I've always said that I thought it's kind of mass hypnosis that yeah, people yeah. don't go. That you've got all these, you've got all these kind of East London old women that are always going, "Oh, she lovely, isn't she? Oh, yeah, she up there yeah, with yeah, bloody yeah. with a crown and a diamonds, and, and she lo- <laughs> and she's meanwhile this woman's like coughing herself to death because she can't afford heating, but exactly. she's just been hypnotized to say, "Oh, aren't the aren't the royals like? Isn't my life empty unless this family?" is on television waving at me from a fucking balcony covered in diamonds. It's just fucking like, what's the most incredible hypnosis ever? Telling me that um, we've just got to see it through together because these times call for austerity and we've all had to make (laughs) sacrifices. Uh, and taking her, taking that old woman's, that old woman's like a little lunch lady and they're yeah. taking her tax dollars yeah. to wave at her from a balcony and go... <laughs> Come on, come on, pull your boots up, little old lady. We're all going to pull together. We're in this together. <laughs> so I don't yeah. know what's going to happen to the... I mean, and the, uh, I was also thinking with the, um, the coronation of Charles and stuff. I mean, it's one, thing, it's one thing to be British and to be a royalist, but it's quite another thing when you meet an Australian these days mm. who's a royalist and yeah. you just think, how, how can anybody in Australia... <laughs> feel a tremendous amount of allegiance and connection 
Tragic. the British royal family. <laughs> I mean, like, fuck. As if it's fucking 1950 or something. Yeah, exactly. There was all these, when the um, coronation was on, they had all these photos in Melbourne of on the news of, of you know, the previous coronation, uh, which of course is many decades ago. And people were mad for it. You know, people in Melbourne yeah. were coming out in droves and uh, things have obviously moved forward since then. And you have to be a kind of next level bootlicker to get into it now, I think, basically, right? <laughs> to think that the that the king, you know, even like thinks about Australia. You kidding yourself? <laughs> <laughs> John, it sounds like you've really delivered everybody today a Schlag burger with a lot. <laughs> it got onions. It got tomato. It Special got cheese. Sauce. It got mayonnaise. I'm going to add a little sprinkling of chili flakes to that Schlag burger oh. with a lot of me. Caliente. Thank you so much. And I feel that I better offer up a Schlag burger with a lot <laughs> as well. Something caught my eye in the week that mm. I thought, has somebody made this up just for us at Don't Praise the Machine? And the headline reads, Jared Leto spotted climbing the walls of the Hotel de Rome in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like from a couple of weeks ago. And this, is, this was covered in all major news uh, outlets, basically. <laughs> Friend of the show, Jazza, the Jared Leto. Yeah. Uh, salt of the band, earth. <laughs> salt of the earth actor and musician, Jared Leto from his, we all love his band as well, which is called 30 Seconds to Mars, <laughs> which I was laughing at when I was writing this this morning and I was in the bathroom just trimming my hair and I said, they should call that band 30 Seconds to Schlag. And I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> Or 30 seconds to Schlags. And so this was covered by a lot of news outlets because it's classic kind of celebrity news fodder. Old Jazza Jared Leto, there was videos of him. uh, He'd climbed up a couple of meters of this Hotel de Rome. Right. I've never heard of this hotel, by the way. It's Hotel de de Rome uh, in Berlin. And he was just scurrying across and it was bringing back memories of... Michael Jackson when he hung his baby blanket out of the Hotel Adlon <laughs> in the uh, earlier part of the millennium. Yeah. And what I just loved about this is, A, it's my old mate Jared Leto, who, uh, <laughs> who my, dear friend, my dear friend Mustafa was like kicking in the ass when he took too long on the, on the jungle gym at a SoundCloud <laughs> staff right. party in That's 2013. Great. That's a great story. Yeah. And... Yeah, and so what I also loved is that all, was he, it was covered by all these major it was covered by all these major news outlets. What was he doing this for? Why was he? What the fuck was he up to? Because he's just like an attention whore, and just can't <laughs> he just can't not have people take photos of and video of him and talk about them. Um, and so, well, it, it turns out apparently that he was collaborating with a very very 
successful and popular German TikToker, uh, whose name is Jonas Zaru, whose work I was not aware that I was actually familiar. When I saw that name, it didn't ring any bells. But then when I looked him up, I was like, oh, yeah, it's this guy. You might have seen it, John. If anyone who's been on TikTok for five minutes, Jonas or Jonas Zaru, who makes these videos where he... The videos on TikTok, it's very clever yeah. that they are, they don't require language, which is also uh, you, the number one tick. Let me just look up his name before I forget. There, there are several TikTokers and, and Instagrammers mm-hmm. that have very cleverly managed to create videos that are very entertaining but do not require spoken language mm. so they can be appreciated by the entire world in much the same way that the Mr. Bean program just yeah. pops off in these non-English speaking countries because Mr. Bean is essentially a kind of contemporary mime act or that with, weird uh, Rowan Atkinson that weird European uh candid camera show used to be a bit the same yeah that's right <laughs> um so the number one TikTok, the number one tick, uh, subscribe TikToker also uh, is that fellow KB Lame or Carby okay. Lame. Okay. Do you know him, John? No, I do not. No. So, so he is a. I think he's like uh, he's Italian, uh, and he famously does these videos on TikTok where he would he would somebody would be doing kind of life hack video that would be really pathetic and it wouldn't really be a life hack it would just be the life hacker trying to come up with some content Mm. and his whole thing would be that he would then demonstrate the problem they were trying to solve and solve it in a very simple way and then he goes like he'd kind of go oh like it's so easy have you not seen this he's 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 african but i think he's like an african immigrant or comes from an african immigrant family but now lives in italy anyway Uh kb lame is the most subscribed TikToker in the world. Mm. Videos don't have any language in them. And similarly, this fellow, Yunus Zaru, makes these videos where the video starts Mm. and he'll be smiling at the camera and then he'll have a team of photographers around him and he might have like a smoke flare and a chain and maybe a watermelon and he'll then smile and you'll watch him smash the watermelon whilst... (laughs) whipping the smoke flare around and throwing the chain and then he'll show you the still immigr- the still photograph that his photographers took right. and it will it will be this incredibly dynamic action film ah. action film filled uh moment frame that they took of the so it, it's kind of like you know if you were to watch advertising if you t- were to see advertising photography and it might be a, a, a Coca-Cola with the Coca-Cola splashing everywhere, yep. you would typically never see behind the scenes of how that yeah. image was created. Right. So that's that's the Jonas Zaru. Yeah. So apparently Jared was out <laughs> making uh, some vids with him so that yeah, he could okay. get a little bit of social media and you, clout. But I d- you shared a couple of them with me today i in fact during yes. the week someone shout out to rob lyon a great uh dpt emma um sent me a video that jazza made from paris where he jumped off a bridge <laughs> and then landed and as he or he i don't know if he actually did jump he threw off. he threw he threw a cloak he threw a, a cloak that's right you're right sorry he threw a cloak and then at the um, last minute, the cloak threw a kind of fairly obvious trick of um, <laughs> of cutting together two different images. Uh, the cloak sort of turned into him at the bottom of this bridge that he threw it off, and then he kept walking. Yeah, I think it's probably worth noting that 
So he throws he, he he the image starts. You can see the Eiffel Tower behind him. So it's yep. very obvious. Look at me. I'm Jared Leto in Paris. Yeah. And then he has a golden golden material in his hand. He throws that off the bridge. The golden material lands on the ground. Yeah. And then, as you say, pretty pretty shitty in camera editing effect. Where suddenly, then like he's obviously put film. himself under the cloak. Yeah. He just stands up. And what's important to note here is that he doesn't have a shirt on, so you can oh, see his fully yeah. exposed Lido chest. Yeah. And he puts his shoulders back and he goes, aren't you all amazed mm. that I just did this incredible trick? And there's some sort of typical vertical video short form. There's the kind of rock song that is the build-up, rock EDM song as he throws the cloak off. And then the big the big reveal, he pops himself up and there's the big... EDM rock chorus comes in and he says, look at me, I'm Jared Leto, I'm in Paris. Mm. I can be a real magic-y cloak man. I'm 51 years old and this is what I'm doing <laughs> with my day. So I, fe- I think that Jared was on a European collab with Influencer Tour, uh, it looks like. Okay, Cause, yeah, cause, yeah. Because I know that video that you sent me in Paris is from another like fashion influencer it's not his right. account it's okay. somebody else's account yeah and similarly he obviously appeared in a few instagram videos with this Jonas Saru in Berlin but i did Wonderful. love that um, <laughs> that ex berliner magazine which is an english language magazine in berlin uh, t- which is targeted at expats so there was a lot of me- a media that just covered this cuz it was great celebrity news which of course jared <laughs> knew he knew full well that if he climbed on a wall in berlin yeah. people filmed it that everybody like us would take the bait and say that weird man is doing something weird again. Yeah. But I liked that, that ex-Berliner covered it in this very ageist way that did make me giggle. Everybody else was saying, yeah, 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 Jared Leto's so cool, he's a wall climber. And ex-Berliner uh, has just gone in and said, Jared Leto is 51 years old and still hungry for attention. To that end, he tried climbing. <laughs> To that end, he tried climbing up a Berlin building yesterday. And then it, the article ends with it saying, it's not exactly clear what he was up to, but rather than losing his room key, we assume it's probably promotion for something or other. In fact, Lido also appeared on TikTok in extra footage filmed in the hotel. He was hanging out with German influencer Jonas Zaru, mm. who has 52.5 million followers on the platform. Zaru is just 25 years old, which is apparently around the age that Lido thinks he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you see him in these videos, he does cut a much younger figure, uh, which he's always managed to do. He's quite a sort of baby-faced, svelte man. Yeah, he dresses young. He's he got young. very he's, – he's got still got long hair, which I've no yeah. doubt he dyes a, yes. a dark, rich auburn. Yeah, that's And he's right. in great shape. I mean, he when is. I saw him pop – when he when he popped up under yeah. that cloak by the yeah. Seine, I just – he had his he had his little pecs yeah. out. And True. And I just thought, I love you so much. I love you so I much, Jared. I want you to come – and be friends with me. Why don't you climb up? I said, Jared, why don't you climb up my wh- climb up my building five stories and climb into my lounge room, Jared? We just hang true. out on my couch with me. Have a cup I mean, of tea. He's, he's got a decade on me, and I don't know. I'd probably aggravate my <laughs> my old uh, slip disc injury if I tried to climb up <laughs> a hotel wall. From Paris to Berlin. And every hotel room he climbs in, my Jared's <laughs> pumping for love, pumping for love. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I just like that because um, I never really know 
what he's up to. I never think, oh, Jared Leto, he's, he's always got these kind of cameos and small roles and things, but yeah, he just seems to exist like the, you know, it's like the foam at the top of a wave. And if the wave is acting and celebrity, he's just the kind of insubstantial foam at the very top. <laughs> and the, and he's, you're never quite sure what he's about, except for just, just the fumes of celebrity that he seems to be entirely composed of. Yeah. He can't, he can't carry a film, can he? He can't, no. he can't, because he famously was in that film that I think it was a, it was another comic book film and they made him the lead and it just bombed. And uh, I forget well, what it, what it w- was. He was in um, your favorite and mine, uh, Laugh a minute, turn of the millennium, uh, Darren Aronofsky film Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, sure. He's good in that. Um, he's, he's good, good in, in that. that. I liked I liked him in that. Yeah. In fact, that that's is, yeah. That is pretty. That's I take as back everything as, I, I take back everything I said about That's as leaks. good as he's done. That's as good as he's done, I think. Because he's um he's sort of the opposite of a glamorous celebrity in that. But uh Yeah. But in a way, He's a bit like that character, except that he's not addicted to heroin. He's addicted to meaningless celebrity and attention. (laughs) 